Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. So please, again, take your Bibles, open them to 1 Peter chapter 2 as we start a new chapter in our study through 1 Peter. It's so good to be back in uh, the Bible with you on this midweek Bible study. Of course, you guys listening on the radio, uh, welcome. You guys online, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, This is a Bible study that I've entitled, Tough Times Require God's Word. Tough Times Require God's Word. And we're on a journey with Pastor Peter. I want you to consider of all the ways that Peter's described by different Bible teachers, I want you to add to that he's a pastor. And he's writing with a pastor's heart. Not only is Peter a pastor entrusted with the ministry by Jesus himself, but he's a pastor after great failure. God restored him and brought him back into a place of pastoral ministry so that he's even writing this letter probably in no way knowing that he's writing the Bible. He's just writing out his thoughts to this group of scattered, hassled people. But we also now know that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Remember Peter, the rugged, impetuous fisherman, transformed, writing to a group of hassled, hurting, persecuted believers. The world is turned against them, inspired by the wicked government of Rome, by Caesar Nero, In the Phillips commentary, just by review, I'll read to you how he describes this time, and I quote, Rome was burned in AD 64, and Nero was the likely suspect. Alive to his danger, he sought for a convenient scapegoat and found one in the infant church. He accused the Christians of starting the blaze, and by the time it was quenched, the fire had resulted in the virtual destruction of three of the 14 districts into which the city was divided. And Nero launched a fearful persecution of the church. The center of the persecution was Rome. But just as fire had spread, so the flames of persecution spread. And even some of the nearer provinces were likely places of danger. Both Peter and Paul seemed to even perish during this time. In AD 67, war broke out with the Jews a war that would end finally in the demise of the Jewish state. Nero committed suicide in AD 68 at the age of 32 in the 14th year of his reign. And Peter's first letter here seems to have been written sometime between 64 and 67, between the outbreak of the Christian persecution and the outbreak of the Jewish war. Peter felt, and I would add, Pastor Peter felt, the peril of suffering of the times. The world was changing. Old landmarks were being removed. Christianity was in crisis. Peter had some things to say, and we know him as one of the Lord's first four disciples, and he had marvelous memories, so he then reaches for his pen. And as we look back on our previous studies, we know that Peter's been teaching us about the the truth of God's redemption and God's faithfulness his never-ending love for us, 
his care and concern for his children. Because under the midst of great trial and difficulty, one of the things that happens to our memory is we begin to forget the faithfulness of God. And we get caught up very much so. And you're not a bad person for going through such behavior, you know, that you get caught up in the circumstances, you get blinded by the difficulty, you get overwhelmed by the trials, and you forget about the faithfulness of God. And you get caught up in the situation, maybe even caught up in your mind and overwhelming of your imagination that's not so holy at times. And so what did Peter do? As you look through chapter 1, if you want to review, you can see it with me. But he began to speak about our conduct and our behavior in the midst of trial. Maybe you're hassled, going under a great, living under great duress. And this was the direction that Peter had given us just in chapter 1. Notice in verse 13, he, he says, get your mind ready for battle. Gird up the loins of your mind. In verse 14, he speaks of obedience. In the midst of trial, be obedient. Obey what's before you. He speaks in verse 16 of the holiness of God. He says, remember, be holy for I am holy. In verse 17, Peter reminded us to fear God. He says, man, if you call on the Father who without partiality judges, conduct yourselves through this time of sojourning, how? In fear, holy reverence. He says in verse 18, remember who you are in Christ that you weren't redeemed with corruptible things uh, in, from your aimless conduct. Remember the redemption of God. Remember in verse 19 that you were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not going through this alone. You were redeemed by the precious blood, it says in verse 19, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Notice verse 21. He reminds us that we have faith and hope that are in God. In verse 22, it reminds us of the purification of our souls and that we love one another. Don't forget to love. You're in the midst of great uh, trial and difficulty. You see no way out. It's difficult to the left and to the right. Institutions that you once trusted in, things that were regular, they're all gone. Well, don't forget to love one another fervently. Remember that word is on fire. Let it be a mark of your life. And then he says in verse 25, make sure that you're clinging to the word of God. Why? Because it endures forever. And that's where we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 2 with that conclusion, therefore, therefore, because of all that we've learned in chapter 1, now Paul makes a conclusion. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. It's almost like he's saying, you know how good the Lord is. You know how faithful he has been. You know how difficult times are. You're reminded of all these wonderful truths that get forgotten in the midst of trials. Therefore, lay aside. Lay aside the things that are hindering you. Because we've been born again, because we're guarded, because we're protected, because we're kept by God, because you have a new nature, a new love, because you're going to heaven and your salvation is secure, here's your responsibility. Lay aside these things. They're not compatible. They're not going to help you along in the journey. You know, these things are sinful. They're going to harm you. The wages of sin is death. Identify them and lay them aside. 
And notice what he says. Number one, he says to lay aside all malice. All malice. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. We can get different perspectives. He says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave more spirit, the pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Lay aside, number one, all malice, or as a new living, evil behavior. This is a general phrase in the Greek language that refers to bad behavior, all bad behavior. All that behavior that would not be named, uh, it should not be named by followers of Jesus. Lay it aside, toss it away. Secondly, he says, lay aside all guile or deceit. This is a word in the original language. Remember the New Testament's written in the Greek language. This Greek word speaks of craftiness and manipulation. This times of trial are no way to be crafty and manipulative. And you know how sometimes in situations, you'd be put in a situation where you can manipulate the, the whole situation. You can manipulate small parts of it to get out from under it. And this is no time to be manipulative. But rather, there's a call to purity and honesty and fidelity. And we don't want to wiggle out of it and we don't want to create things where, where we're crafty. You can see today there's quite a bit of craftiness and manipulation going on in the midst of trials. He says, lay it aside. Second, thirdly, he says, lay aside the hypocrisy. I mean, wouldn't the world be a much better place with less hypocrisy? <laughs> More? And I believe there's a piece of this that is definitely negative, because that's the context. Lay aside the hypocrisy, be real. But I also think there's a positive side to this, where you can be honest about what you're going through. And we'll see that in this context. One of the things that God is calling for through, this, through times of trial is honesty and fidelity. And, and one of the ways is not to power through and pretend that everything's okay, but rather be honest with those that are close to you. Be honest with those that ask you that you're struggling or going through it or having a, you know, it's, it's overwhelming to you instead of putting on a mask. That's what hypocrisy is in the Greek, putting on a mask so that it comes from the Greek theater where actors would play various parts and when they would play a different part, they would change masks. But the mask would cover who they really were. And hypocrisy is something that's a part of all of our lives and we would do well to have less of it in our lives, to lay it aside. Notice also he says, lay aside envy or in the New Living Translation, they translated this word jealousy and that's really what it means. Lay aside all your jealousy. And here's the thing in the midst of trials, you know, the jealousy that we have is that other people aren't suffering as much as we are. And that just gets, you know, frustrating at times, especially in the psalmist, you know, remember David, David was especially upset about those that didn't love God and hated God and seemed like they had no problems at all. There was a, there was a difficulty in his heart about that. And our jealousy, this to be satisfied with the lot, our lot in life. As hard as it might be, this is the will of God for us. Lay it aside. And then finally, he says, lay aside all evil speaking. And this would speak uh, to unkindness, uh, the unkind speech. 
Uh, and I would even say that the, by extension, the emphasis is even in writing, you know, now in our context and our application, uh, how you post and what you say on social media, uh, gossip, slander, cursings, all evil speaking. He says, look, in the midst, one of the things, the decisions you need to make on a regular basis is to lay aside these things because they're not consistent with your new nature. Although trials and temptation seems to prick our flesh, and that's where these things come from. And when you get pricked and you get pricked and you get pricked and you get pricked, eventually you respond. And the Lord's just saying, watch out for these things. Lay them aside. They're not good for you. They're not good for those that are close to you. Instead, he says, verse 2, as newborn babes, or I like in the New Living, newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you might grow thereby. As newborn babies have this urgent desire for the word of God, now more than ever. And you know, one thing you see with newborn babies and precious babies, even around the church, is when they get hungry, when they desire nourishment, we know about it. They let it be known. They're hungry. Uh, and they are desiring to eat. And they just they have no problem with it. I'm hungry and I'm hungry right now. But well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Pastor Ed's teaching. They don't know what you're saying. They're hungry. And they say it. When they get hungry, they sound like a siren. Like when they're hurt. If you're a first-time parent, you might freak out about it a couple of times. But it's normal. They're communicating something. They want mom's milk. Nothing else will satisfy them. A ride in the car around the block? Nope. A pat on the back? Nope. Uh, you know, just trying to coddle and quiet them? No way. They know what they want, and they won't be content until they get it. And what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 18, verse 16? I'll read it to you. Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Let me just say, in the midst of difficulties, it is not the time to abandon the Word of God. Even though there is a truth about going through a trial and opening the Bible and feeling like it really isn't true. So you're reading it through, and like you have a belief in God, and you trust God, but you've been so disoriented that as you're reading it, you've got these spiritual attacks. Well, what does this mean? This doesn't even mean anything. God doesn't understand. God doesn't know. And you're frustrated, so then you just lay aside the Bible. You might even come to the conclusion at times, the Bible doesn't work. And then you just know you're not in your right mind. You're not in the right place because the Bible works. God promises the Bible works. The Bible, we're told in the scriptures that the word of God will go forth, God says. I will send it out and it will accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. And one of the ways to read the Bible is to read it no matter what. So sometimes we come to the Bible, we read it, and we're going to study it. Sometimes we come to the Bible and we read it because we're doing our devos, and so we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. Sometimes we come to the Bible and read it because we're looking for an answer to a Bible question. Sometimes we come to the Bible, we're reading ahead for whatever we're going to study. And sometimes we come to the Bible to read it just to read it, just to say the words out loud. Or maybe pull out your Bible app and let the Bible app read it to you if you're not really ready to take the words in. But the Word of God needs to stay close to us. Like a baby, we need to desire it and crave it. If you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can circle that word desire there in verse 2. It means an intense yearning. An intense yearning. You know, we have intense yearnings also. You know, we might be hungry for an In-N-Out burger, and we just drive up the street now, you know, and just walk right in. You guys have that yearning? 
You have that yearning, church? Well, you should, all right? That's a good illustration. Or you might have a yearning for some candy, a favorite candy, or you might, and this is probably a yearning, you've been working so hard, you've been working so hard, your vacation is scheduled a week from now, and you have a yearning to get on that vacation, go get some rest, and you desire it, and, and you are looking forward to it. And when you're in it, you're just jumping in and enjoying it and rejoicing and happy. And this intense yearning is for God's word. Not because you have to. Not because it makes you a good Christian. Not because it makes you can tell somebody you did your devos. The yearning is for spiritual nourishment. And I know as a new believer, as I was reading the Bible, I was reading it, but I didn't understand a lot of it. But I was reading out of obedience, my pastor told me to read the Bible, I read the Bible. And over time, I, I learned how God used the Word of God in my life. He would make a scripture come out, he would teach me about someone's life, he would teach me about himself. Like, like over time, it starts to make sense. And I believe Peter's saying, look, even when as an adult you don't understand, and even as an adult you can't rationalize, and even as a, I want you in times of crisis like a baby, just dive in and want it and go for it so that you can grow because there's a lot of growth that God has for you. There's a lot of growth that God is wanting to give to you in your present trial. He's transforming you. You're living from glory to glory and strength to strength. He doesn't want you to remain the same person. And so the circumstances in your life are there to create a yearning for his word, God's pure word speaking to you, ministering to you, desiring it so you can grow. Don't let anyone take that desire away from you, even yourself. You know, you might get made fun of because you are in the realm of the word so much in the Bible, and that's all you, because what you're taking in is what you're going to give out, so you start talking to people, and you may quote a scripture, you may be excited, uh, you go to work, and you're saying, you know, what's going on in your life, and you go, man, I just saw this scripture, this, this just spoke to me, and you know, people don't want to hear that for the most part, so they start make fun of you, and you begin to, to, to be fearful about, maybe, maybe the word isn't enough, you know, you listen to somebody, you, I don't know, some self-help guy, and you think, ah, oh, you know, that self-help guy, that sounds like real practical wisdom, and I understand him more than the Bible. But you know, the self-help guy or the self-help gal is not speaking to you the truth of your creator. And so he, they're just speaking to the outward. Change your behavior, change your behavior, change your behavior, and you'll have a better life. But the Bible says, I'll change you from the inside out and your behavior will change. Just come to me and enjoy me. Come to me and learn from me. Come to me and, and listen to me. I'll tell you what, let me, let me give you a scripture. Would you turn over to Matthew? I've just, I want to tell you something that God's really been doing in my life. I've been walking with him for 30 years and, and I, know this, I know this scripture to be true. I memorized it as a new believer. I believe it. I live it, but God's just brought new life during this trial, this present trial that we're in. I've got some things going on in my life as well, personal trials. We got governmental trials. We got trials like, we got more trials with than we can handle. We say amen to that church. Is anybody sharing that? 
Like we just got so much and, and, and we're like, man, what is going on, Lord? What's going to happen? What about, what if they do this? And what if they do that? And what happens here? And what's going to be tomorrow? And what about next year? And what about my kids? What about my, all of it. It's just overwhelming. And this little truth in Matthew chapter six has brought so much comfort to my soul. It's not anything new. You probably quote it, misquote it perhaps, but listen to what Jesus said. Listen to his words and let them sink in. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. That, that word spoken in due season, and one of the reasons I encourage you, and I even beg you, church, it's a lost spiritual discipline, would you please memorize Scripture? Hide God's word in your heart so that you won't sin against him. Hide it in your heart so that the Holy Spirit can bring it back to you. And so you have some big questions on all top of all the trials and difficulties you're in. You have this big question of what about next year? What about next week? What about next month? And the Holy Spirit can say from inside of you, because you listen to this and you go, well, but man, Lord, I can't, I don't know how not to worry. That's all I do is worry, worry, worry. So not even from outside. While you're in your mind worrying, the Holy Spirit's inside of you comforting. And he's ministering to peace and encouragement. And he's saying, it's okay. I've got it taken care of. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's all going to go down. We're not even promised tomorrow. And so because of that, you can trust me today. So let's just get down to today. Let's just eat today. Don't eat for tomorrow. Don't eat for next week. Like a pure baby. Baby's not worrying about, how am I going to eat in three months? Baby eats now and you, you know, moms teach the babies. When you yell, I feed. You yell, I feed. You yell, change diaper sometimes, but feed, change diaper, feed, change diaper. Like babies get all the attention in the world, which gives them what? A sense of security, a sense of peace that they're well taken care of. Baby can't feed themselves. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine your baby getting up, three-month-old, see you later, mom, where are you going? Going down, get, buy me some milk. I can't wait on you. Well, where'd you get the money? You know, it's just like such a silly thing. Baby, baby, just sit there and cry. I'll take care of you. Why? Because I love you. Now, if a mom or a dad can take care of a newborn baby, how much more your heavenly father? You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Not because tomorrow is going to be great or grand. We have no idea. You don't need to worry about tomorrow because today you're abiding in Christ and he'll take care of you now. And it's just been so good. It's been a, like, this is nothing, this, this is nothing monumentally new. This is the basic teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But God can bring even a fresh word from a standard scripture that you learned as in Sunday school, as a kiddo. God wants you in the word. You, it's not because you have to. It's because you need to. You need to. Now, you know, Dr. Phil is not going to give you the kind of peace that Jesus gives you. You know, maybe you even, you've got some financial situation. You get a raise at work. A raise is not going to give you a peace because you'll find out when you get raises, your bills get higher. You can't trust in money. And, and I don't know if you've been watching recently, but you, you're getting a first, if you, if you pay attention 
If you pay attention to other things, if you just kind of have a broad sense, I don't know if you noticed in the last couple of days, but you've seen some amateur investors completely manipulate the stock market and completely ruin massive companies just with a couple of little trades. And you trust in the economy and you trust in the direction, you trust in your stocks and your 401k. You, you can't, you don't need to worry, just trust the Lord today. This world is not what it appears to be. It's not stable and it's not steady. It never has been and it never will be. We need to trust in the Lord. He'll take care of you. If your stocks go up, great. If they don't go, go down, great. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He'll take care of you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Lay aside all of this malice and guile and hypocrisy that gets stirred up by the pricking of your flesh and become a baby. And don't be offended by that. Become a baby. Desire the word. Don't let anyone take that away. Don't let anything take that away. It's okay to lean on Jesus in tough times. It's okay to admit that you're weak. It's okay to express emotion. It's okay to ask for help. Take your cares and your concerns and your worries and your anxieties and cast them upon the Lord. That's what Peter will teach us in a couple chapters in chapter 5. Casting all your care before the Lord, upon the Lord. Why? Because He cares for you. He doesn't belittle you when you come to Him with what you think is even the smallest of things. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Nothing's too small. Nothing's too big. You know, you'll be that cautious person. Well, you know, God, won't, God is the God of the universe. He won't be concerned with this little thing. No, he's concerned with you. He loves you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to know that he loves you and wants to care and take care of you. And he doesn't make fun of you when you come to him, the things that need attention or help. He's waiting for you. Another truth that's been really ministering to my heart personally is a simple truth. The Bible says if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And that's a promise. Tonight, the reward of gathering together, being online, listening on the radio, the reward is as you draw near to God, God is drawing near. Everybody, individually, what's on your heart and on your mind, God is coming to you. Why? Because you've come to him and that's a promise. That's a promise. And even so, you know, those that may not be here, those that, that had a hard day, went to bed when they went, whatever. Those that even are going away, running away from the Lord. The Bible even gave us, Jesus said, hey, you know what? If, if one wanders away, I'm I, I'd be willing to leave the 99 and go pursue them. As a child of God, you are loved and cared and even pursued by God. Trials and difficulties have a tendency to distract us. And we don't want to be babies. Nobody, that, that's even a name, when they call name call, on the, on the playground, they start calling names, they call you a baby. Who wants to be called a baby? Baby. I want to be called a baby because I want to desire the pure word. I want to receive the comfort and encouragement that comes. Because he says in verse three, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious. That's actually a better way of translating that because of. Because you know the Lord is good and gracious. It's easy to praise God when things are good. It's easy. It's easy to press into the things of God when, when we're enjoying life. But it's much sweeter at times 
when we are pursuing God in the difficult times, where he comforts us for the moment. God wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants to reveal more of his strength in your weakness. And he becomes your strength. Then you start to crave more of his word as, you remind, as you're reminded of his faithfulness. And one more thing, just as an admonition and an encouragement, really more an exhortation to you. You need to be in the Bible every day. You need to be in the Bible. You need to read your Bible every day. You, you need to have a fresh, a fresh dose of the truth of God. Because believe me, in the 12, 14 hours you're going to be awake, you're going to have plenty of doses of the world. The world's got a lot to say. You've got to go to work. You've got to you watch the news. You know, the world's going to have a lot of influence in your life every day. You've got to be in the Word. And I suggest, although it may not be good for some of you, I suggest you're in the Word in the morning. And let me even make a greater suggestion that you're in the Word before you even touch your phone. And you go, wait a minute, Ed, I read the Bible on my phone. Stop it. And get the paper Bible out and read the Bible in the Bible. It'll just help you. You won't get caught up in all the other things. And you won't be troubled. You'll get the first dose of God's word right then and there. And, and I do think, and I, I, I try to do this myself, either a Bible study or the Bible before I go to sleep. So it's the last thing on my mind. It helps my dreams a little bit. It helps my troubled sleep. It helps the things that I got a lot on my mind and I just, it helps me to calm down. Uh, and, you know, Pastor Chuck helps me to fall asleep sometimes. I'll just admit it. His soothing, sweet voice. They're just like, thank you. It's one of the last things I get to hear before I sleep. And you say, but Ed, I don't know how. Well, here's a very simple system. Number one, read a proverb a day. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs, so read a chapter of the Proverbs every day. Number two, read some psalms. Depending on how big they are, you can do two or three psalms. You know, some are 10 verses, some are, you know, 100 verses. So read the psalms and just take your time. Just take a few minutes, read a couple psalms, meditate on what it said, uh, because the Proverbs will give you wisdom daily. The psalms will give you a worshipful heart. It's the songbook of the Bible. And after you read the Proverbs and the Psalms, I would suggest if you're looking for a new way to read the Bible, just go into the Gospels and read a little bit of the life and times of Jesus Christ. And just follow him. I, I have been reading for the last many years the Gospels as if I was with Jesus, watching him and listening to him in the first century throughout Israel. And, and this is where I want you to save, 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 so we can take you to Israel, so you can have those mental pictures of where Jesus was, where he said this, and just get that, to see the size of the Sea of Galilee. I, I know it's not possible for everyone, but I know that God can bring someone, and it would be really, it would be my privilege to take you to Israel and walk you through the promised land, walk you through the holy land, so that when you're thinking of the Sea of Galilee, not only can you think of seeing it, but you can think of standing in it, and you can think of being on a boat in the middle of it when Jesus was in a boat in the middle of it. And I know not everyone can go. You'll be in the new Jerusalem soon enough, but some of you, you'll be able to go to the Jerusalem that exists right now, and it'll bless you. And walking along with Jesus, just listening to him, 
Some of you might need to get a new translation, maybe buy a new living translation, that NLT version, so that you can read the Bible, but in an unfamiliar way. So some of the words will stop you. You go, wait a minute, I've never heard it that way before. You know, as we were reading through just in the malice, you know, you might, you might be familiar with the New King James or the NIV, whatever you use. You might be familiar with that, but reading in a different version causes you to pause and think it through and go, huh, and might even look up a word. You go, I didn't know it said that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in the NLT I'd pause and go, wow, is that really what it says? And then I go back, and on my computer, of course, I have both the versions up, so I can check the words, and I can write. And it's just, it stirs you up so that you can go, oh, yes, Lord, I'm going to pray through that. And then, of course, this is where you can use your phone and the technology you have to your advantage. You can download our app here, and almost every Bible study that's ever been taught here is available up on the app. You can download the app, and I encourage you, get this app if you don't already have it. It's free. It's called The Word for Today. The Word for Today. And on that app, almost all of the Bible studies that Pastor Chuck Smith taught all these years, even some Bible studies from his wife and his daughter are on there. And you can, I mean, we have, we, are, we have so much Bible study. Maybe you have a favorite Bible pastor, Bible teacher on the radio that you like, or then download their app and get into the Word. The Holy Spirit will bless you. And then finally, I want you to suggest to get the app, the U version of the Bible app. It's free, very, very, I mean, so prolific of resources, but one of the ways I use it the most is I have it read the Bible to me. And, you know, sometimes your eyes get tired or whatever, and it's you version, Y-O-U version. Uh, And it's free, best free Bible app on, um, on the platform, and it'll bless you. But see, if without the word, you're gonna leave yourself vulnerable. You're gonna leave yourself in a position to be taken advantage of and to be worried. No, notice now, he says in verse 4, he says, now, as babies, you tasted the Lord, you're, you've tasted that God is good, you're, re, you're in the word, you're receiving God's word, now, verse 4, you come to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. So in verse 3, you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, but now God says, you're precious, you know, it's one of the words that Peter likes to use. This big, you got to understand, Peter's this big, rugged fisherman, but now the Lord has worked in him so much that he sees things as precious. I love that word. He began to appreciate the small things in life because God was opening his eyes. And he looks at you and says, you're a living stone. Also, he says, you as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, that's what a daily devotional life will do. That's what the word of God will do. That's one of the benefits of the word coming out of you is that we'll continually come to him alive and full. Or if we come to him empty, we'll leave full. And we'll just, we're, this is a constant new way. It, it's almost, I guess the picture of coming to him would be the same picture you would have that when you leave here today, except for those that are going to work, you're going to go home. You're going to go to your home, to your address. That's what you do every day. You go home. You go to your house. You're continually going to your house. You don't think of it that way. You never think of it like, well, where are you going to go now? Going to go home. What are you going to do now? Going to go home. 
Well, where are you going to sleep tonight? Going home. And you're just continually going home and leaving and coming and leaving and coming. And what the Lord is saying to us through Peter is continually go to the Lord. Just continue. Make that your habit. Don't go to the world. Don't go to the bottle. You don't have to go to man. You don't have to go to the bank. You go to the Lord. And he will minister to you as a living stone. You come alive. Trials beat you down and make you feel unalive, make you feel weak. And you know, for these guys, they're under great rejection as well. Rejection's hard to take. They're not only, you know, we're not even just talking personal rejection. We're talking about death sentences upon their lives. We're talking about them being blamed for burning down Rome. We're, we're talking about them becoming scapegoats. This, these, he's writing to people that are marking the days of their life. Being blamed for something that isn't true. And he says, are you in that position? You blame for something that isn't true? You watching out for your life, perhaps? He says, come to him continually. You're alive. You're a living stone. And then he says, you're also collectively, in verse 5, you're living stones. So there's something to be said about us being together. Stones. You know, in those days, you lost everything to be a Christian. Everything. You were kicked out of the city. You lost your house. Now you're being accused of doing something you didn't do. And yet, even as you lost your house, Peter's saying, but you are a part of a new house. <laughs> you're a spiritual. You, you are a spiritual house. You're a holy priesthood. He says in verse 6 that in the scriptures it says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the same stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Peter's saying, you're living stones. You have a life together, but you're built upon the rock. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation of the church. He's the foundation of your life. You know, you know that we need to build on a strong foundation. Perhaps today you have found through trials that your foundation was shaky. You found that the storms of life have completely ruined what you've built. And the Lord's saying, okay, now you know. Now you know the foundation was shaky when you started. And now come to him continually, rebuild Rebuilt on the chief cornerstone. It was even rejected and not accepted. Jesus came to his own and they received him not, the Bible says. He became a stone of stumbling. He still, Jesus is a stone of stumbling even today to think that through death and resurrection, salvation can come. You know, today, people all around the world are accusing us of believing myths, fables, and fairy tales that the Bible isn't true and it's just been made up and Jesus is a stumbling block to them and no not to us he's not a rock of offense to us but notice their stumbling in verse 8 is because they're disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed Jesus Christ died for all but not all receive him the salvation is available to everyone within the sound of my voice today but not everyone will receive him because what's required in receiving him is repentance and humility and admission. 
But we, in the midst of our difficulty, we come to him as living stones. I mean, I want you to think, I didn't get uh, this illustration, I didn't get the resources, but I want you to think if we had a pallet of bricks here, just in a square, just a pallet of bricks, ordinary standard bricks, and there's a pallet standing there, and it's just a stack. It's really nothing. It's not made anything. It's not doing anything. Just a stack of bricks. In order for those bricks to really accomplish their purpose, they need to be taken off one by one and placed, placed somewhere strategically, on purpose, put in their right place. They go from the pallet and bricks can be made, they can make houses, and they can make palaces, and they can make fireplaces. Like, bricks can be used in great ways, but they have to be taken off and placed in the right position. And that's the work of the Lord he's doing in your life. It may be uncomfortable, it may be hard, but God is positioning you and placing you in the right where he wants you. And the last thing you want to do is fight it and resist the work of God in your life. You want to embrace what he's doing. You know, I think of even in a church family, you know, as God's doing a fresh work in our church through this whole situation. I was thinking, you know, there would never be another call for help in our church or in our community if the church would just let God place them where they're supposed to be. There'd never be another call. We'd never ask for help ever again if you would just obey the Holy Spirit and do what he's telling you to do and use your gifts. Oh, but Ed, I'm not good enough. Or Ed, I don't have enough time. You know, you can think of all the reasons why we're not being the church, but there would never be another need in our church if we would just be. Because, you know, you think in a church that's growing and large, you think even in, maybe in your family, you go, I don't have a place. I don't know where I belong. I don't know anyone. And on the list goes. But the reality is, is if you come to him as a living stone, you come to him as a spiritual house. Notice it says in verse five, at the end there, you offer up. That's your role. You offer up spiritual sight. You offer yourself up, as Paul would say to the Romans, as a living sacrifice. And the Lord just wants to show you how important you are to his plan. How important you are. What impact you can make. And I know there are those that already do a lot and they want to do more. And sometimes you have to say, no, no, just you're right where you need to be. But there are those that do nothing that never want to do another thing. And others are going, you got to step up. This is the time. But this is all going to come natural. You know, we'll keep asking and we'll keep encouraging because they never know and that one question will be the time you get up. We'll keep doing that. However, the Holy Spirit's been doing it for a long time in your life. And he wants to use you right where you are. Just come to him. Just come to him. But what does it do? You got to back up a little bit, right? Well, before you come to him, you got to lay aside some things. But it's all one motion. You go, oh, you know, I'll lay aside things and I'll come to him next year. No, no, it's all one motion. You repent, you come to him. It all comes right. It's like you breathe in repentance, you breathe out sacrifice. (laughs) And the Lord will just, then we come together and God's building us up as a church, building up as a holy house, as a holy house, as a holy priesthood. So why? So that the love of God can go through and flow through our lives into other people's lives. It's beautiful. You lay aside the things that were your past. Daily, moment by moment, filling yourself with God. Taking in the pure word. Don't mix God's word with anything else. God is holy and righteous and pure. And we don't want to water down God's word. We don't want to minimize it. We don't want to take it and make it say something that it doesn't. We just want the word to speak to us. And I just love verse 5. You guys are living stones. 
you're being built up. You're built, built up individually, we're being built up together. And so come to him. Lay before your life. Lay your life before him, I should say. God is doing a work in our lives, building, building upon the chief cornerstone. We'll get into verse 9 next time. So Father, we are greatly encouraged by your love for us and your faithfulness in our lives. We're so overwhelmed that you would be so active in our lives, that you would love us so much, that you would, like your word says, that be confident of this very thing, that he began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we just want to rejoice today that you have begun a good work in us. We ask for your forgiveness for the malice and for the deceit, the evil behavior, or the hypocrisy, or the things that come out when we're under great trial, under great pain. And we just lay them aside. We just lay them aside. And like going home, we want to continually come to you, Lord. And I pray new, new desire for your words is birthed tonight. I pray that there just be a hunger and thirst. And, and I pray specifically for the person right now that's like, I read the Bible, I read the Bible, don't understand it, Lord. Would you just give them understanding? Give them a little nugget. Show them something. Take away their skepticism. Take away their fear. Take away their... Their, their desire just to explain everything. They get so frustrated because they don't understand this or don't. But, but Lord, give them something that they could hold on to and they would have that tangible, that tangible um, you know, confirmation and affirmation that you speak through your word today. Your word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And just let it run loose among us, God, as a church. Comfort the hurting tonight. Bring peace to the worried and anxious. Help those that, God, have, have fasted from the word instead of fasted from food. And just let them get back in, Lord. Te- talking, teaching, sharing. For those that are embarrassed or have been made fun of, Lord, establish them as a living stone built upon together, reminding us of that role of our holy priesthood. And have your way with us as a church, Lord. Let us make the inroads into people's lives that you desire so that many would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-3. 7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.